This is the Dogmatist presented by Strive Sports. Benjamin Klein here with you on this Thursday evening. Uh, this is the second time I'm recording and uploading the show, so thank you to all the fans out there that actually uh, take your time out to listen. Um, Dogmatist, just a brief explanation again, if you missed last episode, the first episode, um, a dogmatist is someone with a, you know, is very opinionated, doesn't bring in facts to back their opinions. Uh, that's not the ultimate goal of the show, but, you know, I want to be able to, exp- you know, let my emotions run wild, let my character get out there so you can see who I am. Uh, a little more difficult doing it by myself and getting myself riled up uh, based on what I'm talking about, but that's the whole point of the show. Uh, you know, being able to really feel out who I am as a person and um, my passion for sports. Uh, so that's why I came up with the name The Dogmatist. I've had plenty of uh, very intellectual and non-intellectual uh, sports conversations with my friends before. Sometimes we're bringing in stats and actually backing our opinions. Other times it's just based on our uh, our feelings, our intuition. So... Uh, you know, one day I could be bringing it, I could make my arguments based on facts and stat and statistics and another day it could just be based on uh, my feeling. Uh, and that's what's great about sports. Sometimes the, the stats don't show you everything uh, that you need to know and sometimes it's just based on a feeling. I mean, it, you know, you look at the stats from uh, college football and it says that Matt Jones should probably be the number one quarterback, but, uh, you know, everyone has the intuition that Zach Wilson or or Trey Lance even are better than him, but I guess we'll see what happens. I'll just tell you my opinion. I think that Matt Jones is going to be the best quarterback in this draft class because of his ability to uh, to go through his, his different receivers, his reads very quickly. He he got he had an advantage at Alabama having both Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle on the team and others, and it, being able to look one guy off, go the other way. It's a major advantage to, to be able to know that going into the NFL, something a, a lot of young quarterbacks don't know how to do. It takes time to learn. Uh, that's why I wasn't a big fan of the Jets moving on from Sam Darnold so early on, uh, mainly due to the fact he's 23 and we never gave him any help to be able to, whether it be receivers, running backs, or uh Offensive line, you know, he's not going to be able to learn how to go through his progressions, his reads, go from one receiver to the next uh, at a good rate when he has no time in the pocket. His receivers don't get open fast enough even when he doesn't have time in the pocket. And the play action isn't for real because we have no running back or offensive line that can uh, block for the running game. Uh, so that's not even what I wanted to talk about today, but those are my feelings on that. Uh, just to give you an idea of, you know, bringing in uh, stats against uh, going by your intuition. Um, kind of like with the Browns taking uh, Baker Mayfield over Sam Darnold. Everyone thought they were going Sam Darnold until they felt that Baker Mayfield gave them the, the best ability to win, uh, you know, sooner. So moving on to what I wanted to discuss today, uh, I'm going to start by talking about the Nets and uh, the fact that they sat KD, uh, Blake Griffin, obviously the Marcus Aldridge retired today, so it was a little more than sitting him. But, you know, coming off a game, I've talked about this in my previous pod, coming off a game in which KD led the team in total minutes against the Tim, against the Minnesota Timberwolves the night prior, uh, you know, maybe he would have played um, last night against the Sixers if that Timberwolves game was played as scheduled uh, two nights prior. But instead, they turned it into a back-to-back. Uh, you know, KD plays the most minutes in that game against the Timberwolves, uh, anyone on the whole team. They're blowing them out the whole game. They're up 30 points. 
I'm very confused as to why they continued playing him when they were up so many points, knowing that they were going up against a division rival, conference rival, the number one seed. It was a game that would have determined the number one seed, and it did because the Sixers are stay, remain the number one seed. If the Nets won, they would have became the number one seed. Uh, for now, I guess. you know, There's more, still more season to come. But it just goes to show that it doesn't seem like the Nets are really bought into you know the importance of the regular season right now. Um, maybe you know they just want to make sure that uh, when it comes down to it, Harden, KD, and Kyrie all healthy and they're able to get a couple games in together before the the start of the playoffs. Especially knowing that the bottom of the East not really uh, such a such a risk for them. Maybe just the Knicks is who I'd be scared of because, you know, they played a couple close games with them this year and <clears throat> and the Knicks just are that team defensively, uh, a team that will annoy you when you're on the offensive side and, and you're going to get frustrated and you're going to have to really battle hard. As, a, as you know my saying, with the ripping the kneecaps out, that's exactly what the Knicks do every single game. So... Uh, that's that in terms of them. They're, they're important. They clearly don't see uh, much importance to the regular season. Otherwise, they would have, uh, you know, sat KD against the Timberwolves or just played him less minutes since they were blowing them out the whole entire game. Um, or they just would have played him again, you know, back to back nights, which isn't like the craziest thing. Uh, but they didn't. They wind up losing to the Philadelphia 76ers. I know people like Stephen A. Smith and Michael Kay were extremely disappointed by this. You know, everyone's looking forward to this big game, number one versus two seed in the East, potential Eastern Conference Finals matchup, and we just didn't get the uh, what could have been in that game with no KD, Harden injured, can't blame him for that, no Blake Griffin, uh, so... It definitely is unfortunate. I think that Michael Kay might have been taking a little bit of his angers from the Yankees out on uh, out on the Nets. Uh, it definitely could be. You know, the Yankees have been struggling recently, so it could have been that. But you know, just I see no excuse for sitting KD playing KD against one of the worst teams in the league, if not the worst team in the league, against the, uh, in the Timberwolves and then not playing him against your division rival that is a half game ahead of you in the standings. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. I'm not going to say I'm too upset by it because, again, I don't want the Nets to win the championship. Uh, you know, Being the two seed, I would say that there's a less chance of them winning the championship than if they're the one seed. You know, Maybe there's a chance now. It goes to seven games. The Sixers have home court advantage. Uh, I think these are things that the Nets aren't really taking into into consideration when they sat him. Uh, like, let's say they allow more fans in for the playoffs. The atmosphere gets a little crazier. Uh, it's definitely, there's no question that it's different for the players when they're fans there. So especially when there's a lot of fans there, it's a completely different environment. I mean, that's why, literally the reason why, in my opinion, the Heat made the finals last year. Because it was a bubble. I don't think Tyler Harrow, Duncan Robinson, I mean, they're proving it to me this year. They're not doing it with uh, with fans there. I mean, Tyler Harrow, Duncan Robinson, they wouldn't have been doing the things that they were doing in the playoffs with fans there. Uh, Bam Adebayo, great player, but he wouldn't have been doing it. He wouldn't have been playing as well if the fans were there. Uh, so I definitely think that the fans are going to make a difference. I don't think the Nets are taking that into account, uh, what, a, what a home game seven could mean, home court advantage. Uh, it's just disappointing for Nets fans and basketball fans as a whole that uh, unfortunately, we were not able to see a whole ton of uh, the three of those guys on the court together throughout this season. Uh, but additionally, 
you know, I personally hope that it negatively impacts them in the playoffs, that, you know, they don't have the same chemistry that they would have if they were all, if they had, you know, a lot more time playing together throughout the season. Uh, but, you know, based on how they played, you know, immediately when they got together, I assume everything is going to be fine. Uh, I'm still definitely very worried about them. If I was the Sixers, I'd be very worried about them as well. Uh, they only lost by six points without, you know, their two, two of their three best players. Uh, and Blake Griffin, a good guy off the bench. You know, the Nets' role players are unbelievable when it goes from uh, Joe Harris to Bruce Brown to uh, Luolo Cabarro, Shamit. I mean, you know, they have Claxton. They have a lot of good, really good role players, like the perfect guys to uh, put around uh, Kevin Durant, uh, James Harden, Kyrie Irving. It's going to have a lot to do with how they play on defense in, in the playoffs, I believe. Uh, so we'll see how that how they make that adjustment when everyone's back. But as of now, it's just disappointing uh, not to be able to see them. Definitely not a disappointing season for the Nets. They're 19 games above 500. I have 37 wins right now. But I'd say it's disappointing for the fans not being able to get as much of that as possible. Uh, and we'll see if that has any impact on the season, uh, on the post, on their play in the postseason. Um, I think it will. Uh, but we shall see, uh, you know postseason quickly approaching uh very exciting stuff Knicks get that win last night uh two New York teams in the playoffs doesn't happen very often these are exciting times you know to be a, a basketball fan in New York uh so let's go Nets and Knicks hoping for the best for the both of you uh except I hope the Nets don't make don't win the championship you can make the championships don't just don't win please don't do that to me don't do that to us Knicks fans uh but moving on to my next topic of conversation uh, gonna be talk, gonna discuss right now about uh, Wilson Contreras, the catcher for the Chicago Cubs. He's getting hit seven times against the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, I believe it was our, in, in this season already. Uh, I'm not sure. It might be going back into last year. Uh, you know, he's getting upset about it. But in the meantime, while he's also getting upset about it, he's launching long home runs. Doing, uh, you know, bat flips are okay, but when he's being, you know. I'll say it. He's being a dick about it. He's like, you know, not even looking at the ball. Goes back, looks at the dugout, throw dugout his own dugout, throws the bat the opposite way with like two hands. Uh, it's a little disrespectful. I understand having that emotion and like the ret in the playoffs, but regular season that's not really me so much. You know, do a regular bat flip. No, you don't need to bring all the dramatics into it. Uh, again, maybe he did it because he's been getting hit so often. I don't know. But what's most concerning to me and why I'm bringing this up is that I've seen multiple videos of him. You know, he's a righty, so he wears a big guard on his elbow, and he's literally leaning into pitches that are strikes. In the strike zone, you know, they have the box on the screen for baseball nowadays to show you the strike zone, and he's literally leaning his elbow into the strike zone to try to get hit. I mean... I don't know how you could complain about getting hit so often when you're literally, I'm watching you lean in. I'm watching you do it. I've never seen, like, at this point, I really would, I want the Yankees to do that. I mean, uh, the Yankees can't do a single damn thing out there offensively. So, you know, if it, if what it's going to take to make some changes, uh, you know, leaning into some pitchers in the strike zone, I'll take it. But I've never even seen the Yankees do something like that. I mean, if the Yankees did something like that, I would complain. I'd say, "Why we're supposed to be good hitters? Why are we? Why are we trying to go take this route?" And then just to complain later on, if my players were to complain later on about getting hit when I clearly can see him leaning into a strike, 
Uh, I just want to know what to make of that. And maybe it's a reason that the Cubs have been struggling over the past couple of years ever since they won the World Series. Kind of had a hangover ever since they won in 2015. Uh, 2016, actually. Uh, Chris Bryant, not the same. Javi Baez, not the same. Anthony Rizzo, not the same. Uh, their pitching, not the same. Bullpen. Uh, but, I mean, maybe they're just uh, making excuses and, you know, they're not really... Uh, doing what's best for the team. I don't know how Wilson Contreras leading into strikes is what's best for the team. I feel like it may be getting into the other pitcher's head. That's like the best that I can, can that I can think of, of what it may do. But uh, Wilson Contreras, I'm sorry, I can't back you on this when I when I see you leaning into pitches and you're also being disrespectful at the plate. Uh, you know, save that for the playoffs. Maybe those things. Uh, you know, I'd understand maybe leaning into a pitch if your team isn't hitting in the playoffs. And, you know, flipping that bat in the playoffs because the, the moment is just bigger. But regular season, come on, it's a little too early for that, Wilson. Uh, I don't want to hear you complaining about getting hit when you're literally leaning into those pitches. Uh, again, I have no problem with leaning into pitches, but don't complain about it when you wind up getting hit. Uh, all right, that's enough. That's it for that. Uh, going to move on to my last topic of conversation uh, for this episode of The Dogmatist, which can be found on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, you can access both of those uh, via the link tree in my Instagram bio. The Instagram is at these drive sports. Uh, the Apple Podcast actually may still be pending review. Uh, so as of right now, I think it's I, you can only access it through Spotify. Uh, hopefully Apple Music soon though. Um, my last topic of conversation is Anthony Edwards. And uh, if you didn't know... Uh, Alex Rodriguez is planning to buy uh, or become a po- uh, you know a part member, part owner of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, when asked what uh, his thoughts on that were, or if he's like uh, you know has any feelings of A Rod becoming the owner, if he thinks it's cool, he claims to have not known who A Rod was. Uh, that's uh, you know that's concerning to me. Uh, this guy is coming out. Cocky line after cocky line. I don't know how he was raised. Maybe, maybe I'll give him benefit of the doubt. I don't know. Maybe he didn't have a TV or anything. Uh, maybe he's not a baseball fan. But I mean, most people that were raised uh, in my era, my generation, I don't even know if I want to consider him uh, in my generation, honestly. Uh, these 2000s kids, it's, it's a little bit too much for me if you're born 2000 or later. Uh, you're, you guys are starting to annoy me a little bit, honestly, with your lack of knowledge on, on history in terms of music and just people, sports. I don't know. Uh, do better, uh, 2000s babies. Um, he claims to have not known who Alex Rodriguez was. Uh, that's blasphemy. I mean, you know, one of the one of the greatest baseball players in the history of the sport, no matter what you think of him in terms of his steroid use, uh, one of the biggest names in sports overall, and it's not like he's detached himself from sports now. Uh, he still works for uh, you know Fox Sports. He works during the World Series. I think he also works for ESPN, maybe a little bit. Uh, I mean, he does a little bit of everything. He's still out there. In fact, he's been going out with Jennifer Lopez. I mean, that's like you telling me that you don't know who Jennifer Lopez is. Uh, I mean, at this point, I think that that would be true. I think that if you know who Jennifer Lopez is, uh, you probably knew who Arod was. And, and I'm sorry for bringing that up too soon for any of you people that were a big fan of that relationship. Uh, obviously, came, the news came out today that they officially broke up. 
Uh, it's unfortunate. I saw Arod post on his uh, Instagram story, you know, a bunch like a bunch of pictures of him and J Lo, um, stuff like that, and with the family, uh, with some sad music in the background. I uh, hope A Rod's doing okay. Um, you know, I, we've heard about this coming for a while. Uh, not trying to get into like pop culture here, but sorry, A Rod. I'm sorry, J Lo. It didn't work out. I hope you guys enjoyed your time together and can stay and can uh, stay friendly. But uh, getting back to the topic of conversation, come on, Anthony Edwards. First of all, you know, this is your new owner. Show a little bit more respect. Uh, you, you know, but uh, besides that point. You know, he's just such a famous guy, Alex Rodriguez. Uh, it's even more than baseball at this point. You know, he's even been on Shark Tank, uh, you know, for a season. Uh, I'm not sure he was on for the whole season, but a portion of it. Uh, you know, Anthony Edwards, it really shows a lack of knowledge of a lot of things to not know who Arod is. And uh, going, uh, you know, not even just saying that. He's also said other ridiculous things this season that just make him seem really cocky. Uh, you know, he probably, I, I believe that he thinks he's a guy that thinks he's better than everyone else. Uh, you know, given his God-given talent in basketball, I don't blame him. Uh, I think these 2,000 kids, some of them are, you know, I guess it's everyone. Sometimes you just come out as a really cocky person, and other times you don't. Uh, you know, it's Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, those are guys, you know, I see Steph Curry dancing on the court, whatever. I don't think of him as cocky at all. I think of Anthony Edwards as way more cocky, you know. He's he's not knowing who Arod is. I can't I can't think of anything else, but I, I know that he said other things that have made me question him uh, throughout the season. But uh, not definitely not a good look for Anthony Edwards. No matter uh, no matter what, there's no argument that you can make to make this a good look. This is your new owner. You're saying who? I don't know who this is. Uh, you know why did you not give him a look up beforehand? Be like, oh, that's who that is. And then you probably would have heard him for heard of him before. Unfortunately, you didn't do that. You made yourself look like a fool. You probably got a lot of New Yorkers, especially Yankees fans, not liking you, not on your side. Uh, even more so after what you said to RJ. That was also disrespectful. You're a rook. You're on the worst team in the league. Uh, good for you. You won one game against the Knicks, but uh, I think you have a lot more to learn in your career. Uh, it's not even about being on the court, playing on the court, getting smarter. It's about getting smarter off the court and uh, being just a good person, I, I think. Uh, you know, uh, I, I think that Anthony Edwards has a lot of work to do. Not to say that he's not uh, that, you know, worthy of, of having been the number one pick. I, I can't imagine anyone having gone above him except for LaMelo. Uh and even in that scenario, it looks better for the Timberwolves right now. LaMelo out for the year, obviously. Um, you know, Anthony Edwards looking great. He could shoot from three. He could drive to the basket. Extremely athletic. He can dribble. But, you know, just better yourself, man. That's what, that's what you're here for. That's what life is for, to better yourself. And I can clearly tell, based on uh, just listening to you this year, that I think you need to better yourself. And that's not to say I don't need to. I need to also. I'm trying to. I'm trying to do these podcasts now. You know, before I was doing nothing. I'm really trying to grind on these. Trying to get better at them. Uh, trying to post them every day. Be consistent. Um, you know, but I, I just think that you need to get better. And I hope that everyone could admit that they need to get better uh, as human beings. Uh, and, you know, not just as human beings, uh, but also in what you do. So, Anthony Edwards, I have very high expectations for you. I loved you in college. Uh, you know, I hope the best things for you, but I also hope to see some improvement as your career goes on. Very excited to see uh, where your career takes you along the way. You know, you and Aunt Carl Towns being together, 
It's a great duo. Uh, lots of potential. You guys are going to have a good draft pick coming up. I hope that you're a leader for whoever that draft pick is and uh, can lead the Timberwolves back to a place that they haven't been since they had Kevin Garnett, which is uh, the conference finals, not even the finals. Uh, that's a little bit too far. But uh, that's it for my show today. You know, covered three topics ranging from uh, Anthony Edwards talking about uh, talking about Alex Rodriguez, Wilson Contreras getting hit by uh, pitches by the Brewers, and um, the first topic I talked about, which was Kevin Durant sitting last night against the Sixers in a very important game. So that's it for me today. You can catch this show, The Dogmatist, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, my other shows are daily, but this one's only Tuesdays and Thursdays. So that's it for today. I'll catch you next Tuesday. For Ben Klein, uh, that's it. I'm a dogmatist. Peace out.